Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Hey everybody and welcome to week one of this series called What Do I Do If? Now this is a series about marriage, but it's actually about so much more than marriage. Because we're standing here on the dawn of a new year, 2021. And I think I speak on behalf of all of us when I say we're looking for something better this year. We're looking to build something beautiful this year. And I, for one, believe we could do it. But in order to do it, we're going to have to pull together this year. And we're going to have to do that in a world that increasingly is being pulled apart. And I want to talk about that for a second, because I think this whole concept of, of pulling together is a lot simpler than we think it is. Because I think it starts with those who are closest to us. It starts, if you're married, it starts with your spouse. Mm -hmm. It starts with your family, your close friends. And so the principles that we talk about in this series are gonna apply not only to your marriage, but in every relationship that you're in. And that's why I'm so grateful that for these four weeks, my best friend, who is also my wife, Corinne, is going to be speaking with me. Hi, Corinne. Hello, Mike. Great to be here. Is it? Yes, it Awesome, is. good. Well, week one of this series, we're gonna talk about this. What do I do if my marriage is hard? What do I do if my marriage is hard? And in order to answer that question, we're gonna tell you a story. And I think it's a story that's really, really gonna help you. And at the end, I'm gonna give you three concrete next steps that you can take from this story and apply to your relationships. So the story takes place last October, October of 2020. Corinne and I were getting ready to go spend a week on a cabin right on the Okanagan Lake near Kelowna. And because it's about a three and a half hour drive, we decided that we wanted to leave in the early afternoon. But as often happens, I had a whole day's work that I had to get done before we could leave. So I woke up real early and I was working, going as fast as I can. And the whole day as I'm getting all this stuff done, I'm thinking to myself, you know what I should do? I should download an audiobook that Corinne and I could listen to on our trip. But because I was so busy, I never got to it. But we ended up leaving early afternoon, maybe mid-afternoon, and we started driving. And at first, the drive was really, really quiet. And I was thinking to myself, man, this is good. It's just peaceful, you know? Kind of detoxing from the day, the week, the month, the year, 2020, right? And about a half an hour into the drive, Corinne looked at me and she said something that really made me wish that I had actually downloaded that audiobook after all. Okay, what she said basically was this. There's a bunch of things that I've been resenting you for. And I think to give you the rest of that story, I'm going to turn it over to Corinne. Yeah, I'm going to take it from there for a minute because I want you guys all to know the context of this. So I wasn't just being crazy or mean. I just want to share for a bit about where I was at at the time leading up to this holiday. So like in my mind and my heart and my spirit, what was going on? So a couple of years ago, and I've spoken about this in sermons previously, um, I really felt like God was saying to me, it's time to wake up. And so I didn't know at the time really what that meant, but I knew enough to know that if God was saying it's time to do something, then it's time to do it. So looking back now with a little more perspective, I realized that waking up is something that all of us need to do. Mm -hmm. All of us. Like we need to become ourselves, to become the people that God created us to be, you know, before the world happened to us and before the hurt, because what pain does, 
when we experience pain and trauma in this life, we go underground, we withdraw, we put on masks, we hide, we learn along the way that this world is not a safe place. And if we want to change that, if we want our homes and our families to be safe places, we really need to wake up to who we were meant to be, to who God created us to be. And it's hard work, but there's nothing more important than doing the hard work of becoming the men and women that God created us to be. And no talk by me would be complete without multiple references to the Enneagram. This isn't gonna be any different. So for those of you who don't know what the Enneagram is, it's an ancient personality test. And I just want to encourage you to read about it and explore it because for me, it's been so helpful. It's been an incredible tool that I feel like God has given me to really help me to understand who I am and understand the people around me. So if you're interested in investigating this a little bit more, text the word me to 604-670-3040, and you're going to get a link to a personality test, and you're going to have to give your email, but don't worry, you can unsubscribe as soon as you get your results, but I just really want to encourage you to do that. And there's also a really great book, um, and it's called The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron, and it's just an excellent sort of beginner's guide to the Enneagram. So when I first heard God say to me to wake up, it's time to wake up, I didn't know where to start. And for me, that's where the Enneagram came in. I felt like I was lost in this wilderness and the Enneagram opened up a pathway for me, a pathway to understanding myself and where I was at. And not only that, but a pathway to growth, emotional and spiritual. So for those of you who do know the Enneagram, I'm a nine, that's my Enneagram number. And when nines face stress, they numb out. So I came to realize that for most of my life, I had been sleepwalking, I had been numbing all of the pain that I was feeling. I'd been burying my emotions, avoiding conflict. I was too terrified of broken relationships to confront anyone or, or anything. So my highest motivation was to keep the peace, to ignore my feelings, to bury anything negative. That was how I lived my life. Hmm. So I just want to stop there for a second, and I want to really think about that statement, the road back to you. See, there's a person you were created to be. You have gifts and talents and abilities there's contributions that you were born to make to your family, to your friends, to this world. There's a difference that you were created to make in history. And there's a life that you were created to live, joy that you were created to find, beauty that you were created to experience, adventure that you were created to go on. But then life happened. The world happened. Trauma happened. Pain happened. And heartbreak happened. And so somewhere along the line, we all lost our way. Some of us just a little bit, some of us more, but we lost the way from our true selves. And so if you want to know what's the first step to take if you're dealing with a hard marriage or a hard relationship, you need to take the road back to you. So Corinne's talked a little bit about her struggles. Let me talk to you a little bit about mine. Maybe one of the best ways that I could explain it is to uh, tell you about a guy named Henry Nouwen. Years ago, Henry Nouwen said this. He said that if you don't find your value in God, you're going to find it in one of three things. 
what you have, what you do, or what people say about you. And so when I look back at my life as a young man, I realized that I was never really impacted or driven by what I have. And I didn't necessarily care that much about what people said about me. I did care deeply though about what I did. In fact, I found my value and I found my worth in what I did. So I became driven. I became driven to succeed, driven to win, driven to accomplish. Maybe a better way to say it is that I was driven by a fear of failure. And, and, and so I lived this life that was just like, go, 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 all the time because I was driven. And as I got a little bit older, what I realized over time is that, you know what? I'm not a human doing. I'm a human being. I'm not defined by the things I do. And so I stopped being driven as much. But here's the problem. Somewhere along the line, I picked up an adrenaline addiction. What I mean by that is I just learned to live life at an unmanageable, unsustainable pace so fast. And it really hit me in 2020. I remember as a young man, I was just so driven and I'd be living so fast all the time that every time that I would stop to take a breath, the same thing would happen. And if you're living a life like that, you know what would happen next. What would happen next if I stopped even to take a breath is I would get sick. And looking back now, what I realized was that was my mind's way of telling my body, we need to call a timeout here. And, and it's interesting because think about it. You're living your life at an unsustainable pace. And you find out that if you even take a breath, like if you even pause for a second, you're going to get sick. Well, now there's one or two ways to solve that, right? Number one, you could stop living your life at an unsustainable pace. But what if you're driven by this fear of failure? Well, then you can't stop living at an unsustainable pace. So what do you do? you stop pausing at all. You stop taking a breath at all. And you live at a more and more and more unsustainable pace. And I guess for me, what I found out in 2020 was that my body and my mind and my spirit gave me the sense that something drastic was going to happen if I didn't learn to slow down and take a breath. So I want you to think about it. That's my struggles. And you've already heard about Corinne's struggles, about uh, numbing out and, and the fear of broken relationships. And I wonder how those two set of struggles are going to mesh. Well, you're about to find out. We'll get there. <laughs> I was completely unprepared for how painful the process of waking up was going to be. Um, the process of becoming ourselves sounds really great, but the reality is, is it's painful. Like, I felt like I'd been that I had this terrible injury and I'd been on morphine my whole life and suddenly the morphine was gone, mm. but the injury was still there. And I had to figure out, and I'm definitely not there yet, I'm still figuring it out, but how to deal with all of the painful emotions from not only my past, but my present, instead of ignoring them, stuffing them down, burying them, that I have a habit of doing. And I know that now we don't have an excuse. In history right now, we know more about mental health than we've ever known before. And we know that when we stuff down pain, when we ignore trauma, it doesn't go away. Mm. It comes out in all kinds of true. destructive behaviors like addiction and depression and anxiety and anger, and even sometimes in physical illness. So I started seeing a Christian counselor and for me, it was like having this smart, neutral, trusted companion 
as I worked through all of the painful things that were stopping me from like truly becoming who God made me to be. So for a couple of days leading up to our fateful trip to Kelowna, don't worry, I'm going to get there. Mm -hmm. I felt sad. Like I just felt really sad. And since I was committed to the process of not ignoring and stuffing down these feelings, I just acknowledged the sadness and tried to just, just live in it and feel it. And I started having physical symptoms of anxiety. And I know for like a lot of you, this is going to be familiar for me. This was new, but like uh, experiencing like my arms and legs going numb, even my face going numb. You know, I had a panic attack. Just, I thought I was having a heart attack. You know, your heart's pounding and you're sweating and you can't breathe. And so that was new to me. And so things were surfacing inside of me that I had stuffed down for decades. You know, feelings that I had ignored to keep the peace in our life. You know, that I had repressed because they were negative feelings that a good person, you know, a godly woman, a godly wife shouldn't have these feelings, right? So I didn't talk about them or even acknowledge that I felt them. And some of these negative feelings and thoughts had to do with Mike, <laughs> right? I knew that in order to wake up and to become who God created me to be, I knew that I had to be brave and that I needed to trust that God was leading me. And I had to tell Mike about the things that I had been holding resentment against him for, for a long, long time. Now, before I get back to the trip to Kelowna, let's talk about resentment just for a minute. So resentment is just anger, isn't it? It's, it's anger that you put in a pot on the stove and you set it on simmer and it just bubbles away. And you know, as the days and the, the years go on, you just keep tossing your anger into this simmering pot mm. on the stove. And that's what I would do instead of talking about it or acknowledging it or confronting it, I would just toss it in the pot. I was so afraid of the consequences of saying things like, I'm angry, I'm resentful, I need this or this hurt me. So I was so afraid of broken relationships and loss. And for me, being a nine, that is like the greatest fear. And I was so afraid to lose things and for things to get bad between us. Okay, back to the drive to Kelowna with Mike desperately wishing that he had downloaded an audiobook. I told him everything that I resented him for since the beginning of our marriage. Like seriously, my throat hurt. I talked so much. Fun, hey? Well, you know what? <laughs> it wasn't fun, <laughs> no. but it was good. <laughs> so this was what I would refer to as a rubber hits the road moment in our marriage. So you, you notice how I didn't say this was the rubber hits the road moment in our marriage, because that wouldn't be true. In fact, what I want to suggest to you is whether you're in a marriage or even in a close friendship, there's lots of these moments. And every time we face one of these moments, I think we kind of have a choice to make. And that choice is stagnation or struggle right? Like it's easy to say, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. I just want to, you know, keep things status quo. I don't want to work at this. I don't want to talk about this. Let's just, you know, fine is fine. Good is good. But really, if, you, if you're going to go on this journey on the road back to you, if you're going to go on this journey to the road back to the two of you, there's going to be a struggle. And so I can joke and say, man, I wish I would have downloaded that audiobook, but absolutely I don't. Like I was so proud of Corinne with the courage that she showed that day. It was amazing. 
So Mike's a three. Back to the Enneagram. <laughs> no, but he is a three. And threes are notorious for not only being out of touch with their own emotions, but not really being aware of the emotions that are happening in the people around them. So you can see how we were a bit of a challenging combination. So the process for me wasn't about assigning blame or making Mike pay because I had expected him as a very clued out three to just read my mind, to understand what I was feeling, what I was needing, even though I wasn't verbalizing any of it and I was acting like everything was fine. It was, it was on me that I hadn't for the last 30 years exerted my personhood on our relationship. So I'm trying to be really transparent with you all today because I've actually had people say to me, and I'm not exaggerating, you wouldn't understand our marriage problems because, you know, you're pastors and so you guys don't struggle. So like people have actually said that to us. Yep. Um, and that's just not true, you guys. Like marriage is hard for all of us. Mike and I, the same as you, we're two sinful, selfish people just trying to come together and be a team. So the same struggles that you have, we have. And so I just really want us to, to try and help each other. Mm -hmm. So I know if I was out there listening, I would be dying to know exactly what some of the resentments were that I have towards Mike. And we're not going to tell you any of them. <laughs> yes, we're going to tell you at least a couple of them because, I mean, it's just unfair to bring you along on this journey and not share those details. So I'm going to give you a couple highlights. So a huge resentment that I had towards Mike was that when our kids were little, I was basically parenting solo. Hmm. He worked way too much. Um, I was alone with the kids way too much, and it was just a life that I didn't want to live. So he was a teacher and a coach, and I would ask him every year, please don't coach spring league when the regular basketball season was over. And he would, and I would let him year after year, you know, every evening, weekend tournaments, and we just did that year after year after year. Instead of exerting my personhood on our relationship and saying, I don't want to live like this. Like, I need help. I, I need us to make some changes in our life. I just let things continue the way they were. Because there was a big part of me that just thought, you know, a good person, a good Christian wife wouldn't have these thoughts. Mm -hmm. I was just being selfish. You know, he was out there helping kids. And, you know, when he's home, he's so engaged and he's so fun and, and I'm just being selfish and, and needy. And so I just stuffed it all down. I told myself I can, I can dig deep, right? Like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And those were the thoughts that I was telling myself instead of actually facing and confronting what I needed. I expected him to read my mind and to know what I was feeling and what I needed. So it's really interesting because maybe you're looking at me right now going like, Mike, how did you miss that? Like, how, why weren't you listening back then? And I guess there's maybe a couple things I would say. Number one, in so many ways, we had an incredible marriage. Over the years, I've had like <laughs> dozens and dozens of people come to me and say, man, I want to have a marriage just like yours. And we had so much fun together. But having said that, I, I did miss some things. And I think to explain it to you, it would be this way. So I'm, I'm being driven by this fear of failure. So I got these voices in my head saying, accomplish, succeed, win, 
don't fail, accomplish, succeed, win, don't fail. And they're really loud and they're really constant. And Corinne was a small, quiet voice that would say one time, hey, do you think it'd be okay if you don't coach spring league this year? But meanwhile, I'm, I'm so driven that I'm not listening, I'm not hearing. And that really hit me. Another thing that Corinne said that day on the road to the cabin that really hit me was when she talked about how the Bible talks about when two people get married, the two become one or they become a team. And she said, I do think that we've become a team. And I think that that team is Team Mike and I'm playing on Team Mike. And that really hit me because I never married Corinne so that she could be a part of Team Mike. I married Corinne because she's an amazing person. And I wanted to um, start a new team called Team Corinne and Mike. And so I remember looking at Corinne <laughs> with her throat sore after everything you shared. And I just said to you, I wholeheartedly support your resentment of me. He, those are exactly the words he used. And I can't even explain how grateful I am that that was his response. Like, I don't know what I would have done if knowing how I felt inside that I was exerting my personhood in many ways for the first time in my life and saying like, like, I need you to understand if I'd been met with anger or defensiveness or, you know, throwing back a bunch of things in my face, I just, I feel so thankful and it helped me so much in my, in my own progress and journey towards becoming myself that he responded with kindness. So it's interesting because over the next four weeks, we're going to preach and, and in total, we're going to give you about three and a half hours of content it's about the same as a three and a half hour drive to a cabin on Okanagan Lake. And that's what I want this to be for you. I, 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 really, I really want you to begin the journey on the road back to you. And I really want, if you're married, I really want your spouse to begin the journey on the road back to them. Because I think when you do that, all of a sudden you're gonna be able together to start a new journey, the road back to you. Mm -hmm. And so that's my prayer and that's my hope for you. I really think that the best thing that all of us can do today for our marriage is to look in the mirror. And, and I know like in many ways, it doesn't seem like that's what I was doing on that trip to Kelowna by telling Mike everything I resented him for. But really I was, cause I had looked in the mirror and I had seen somebody who had been a coward for so long about exerting my personhood, about saying, this is what I need. This is what I want. So please don't stop this stream and look at your spouse and tell them everything you've ever resented them for. Do though, begin the process of figuring out what's going on in your own inner life. Look in the mirror first, like ask yourself, why are you so angry? You know, why are you so sad? And don't do this alone. Invite God into the process because in all the world, he knows you best. He knows who he created you to be. And he knows everything that happened along the way mm -hmm. to make you hide and to make you put on masks and to make you lose yourself. So invite God into this journey because we can't do it alone and get a Christian counselor to help you unearth and process some of the things that you've maybe been avoiding dealing with your whole life like the things that are underneath the anger, that are underneath the sadness, that are underneath the anxiety. 
begin the process of exerting your personhood on your own life and your own family. Begin to become you. Hmm. So at the beginning of the talk, I said, what do I do if my marriage is hard? So I'm going to change that. I want to say, what do you do because your marriage is hard? I sure hope your marriage is difficult sometimes. I do. Because I think we're kind of all faced with two choices, stagnation or struggle. And I don't, want, I don't want your marriage to be unduly difficult, but I do want you to do the hard work of taking the road back to you and taking the road back to you. So I want to give you three next steps, okay? Real simple. Be real, be honest, be kind. So first of all, be real. Corinne already talked about it. Look in the mirror. Spend some time asking yourself, what, you know, what's going on below the anger? What's going on below the sadness? Like, what are my struggles? What are, what are the things that are taking me away from the path that God created me for? And I think you need two things to do that. Number one, I think you need God. You need to invite God into your journey. And I know I might be a little bit biased here, but I really think we live in a fast, noisy world. And so can I make an honest suggestion? Can, can I suggest that you spend some time every day in silence and solitude? And start with five minutes if that's all you can do. Start with two minutes if, that all, if that's all that you can do, but just spend some time and talk to God and say, God, you know, where am I? Show me what my next step is on this journey back to me. And, it, and I also think you need people or at least a person. So we're talking about marriage right now. So I'm talking about like, somebody who you're not married to. You know what I mean? That you, you can talk real with. Someone who's wise and caring, who loves Jesus and loves you, that you can be absolutely serious and honest with, who can maybe serve as part of your mirror. Okay, and the second thing I want to suggest is be honest. Take that moment on our drive to Kelowna as an example. But before I go too far down that road, I want to go to point three real quickly. I want to say be kind. See, again, let, 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 let me go through the order again. First of all, be real with you. Look in the mirror. Because you need to understand on that three and a half hour drive to Kelowna, you need to understand who Corinne has been, not only to me, but to so many people over the years. She's one of the kindest people that I've ever met. She's the most encouraging person that I've ever met. So she came to that trip out of the context of kindness. So what I would say to you is if you're somebody that's consistently nagging or critiquing or criticizing or demoralizing your spouse or constantly grumbling, you need to take a second and you need to ask yourself, why am I so negative? Okay, so first of all, be real with yourself. Okay, then be honest, but make sure that over all of it is kindness. Does that make sense? And we're cheering you on. I just want to take a second now as we close today and invite you to be a big part of these next three weeks. Make this the, the, the trip to Kelowna for you. Three and a half hours on the journey, the beginning of the journey back to you. But Corinne talked about it throughout the talk, and maybe I'll remind you now that we really need to invite God into our journey. And I'm just not sure where you are with that. But here's what I do know. That you have a God who created you. There's a person you were created to be. There was a life that you were born to live, and he loves you so much. He planned this life. He planned this opportunity for you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus Christ, his son, stepped into human history and he died on a cross so that everything in the past can be left in the past. You can be completely forgiven. And he rose again so that you can have the strength to take one next step at a time on the journey back to you, the you that you were created to be, the life that you were born to live. 
And so I want to give you that opportunity today. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, if, you, if you've never invited him into your journey, man, I think today would be a great day to do that. Whether you're married or single or whatever, I want to give you the chance to do that. So I'm going to pray in a second, and, and I just invite you to pray along with me, okay? So let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Today I want to invite you into the journey back to me, the me that I was created to be, the life that I was born to live. So Jesus, I want to thank you for dying on the cross. I pray that you would forgive my sins and give me a fresh start, a clean slate. And Jesus, thank you that you rose again. I pray that you give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time on this journey back on the journey to me. Thank you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I just want to say we are so excited. I'm so proud of you. It's amazing. And one of the things we want to do is we want to journey this journey with you. Okay, so we would love it if you just prayed that prayer for the first time. If you could text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We're not going to stalk you, but you better believe we're going to support you. So man, we'd love to hear back from you on that. It'd be amazing. And just before I close today, I want to pray for all of us and all our relationships before we go. But I want to remind you again, next week, same time, same station, okay? Make it a priority to be here. Share this message, because I really believe that if we pull together this year, starting with those closest to us, amazing things are possible. Okay, so let me pray for all of us. So God, thank you. Thank you for, the, for, for our marriages. Thank you for the people who are closest to us. God, I pray that this would be a year that um, we would all undertake the journey, the road back to us, the, 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 the people that we were created to be, the lives that we were born to live, that we would take that journey together. So God, I pray that you would give us the courage to get real, to get honest, and always to be kind. Thank you. We pray for your strength on this journey. I'm so excited for all that is to come. In your name, amen. 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 Love you guys. See you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.